This is the Daily Signal podcast for Tuesday, October 20th. I'm Rachel Del Judas. And I'm Virginia Allen. Media censorship is becoming an increasingly hot topic in the news. Today, our colleague Rob Bluey speaks with Brent Bozell, founder and president of the Media Research Center, the largest media watchdog in America. Bozell and Rob discuss the latest news regarding media censorship and the situation involving Twitter and Facebook suppressing a New York Post article about Hunter Biden and Vice President Joe Biden. Don't forget, if you're enjoying this podcast, please be sure to leave a review or a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and encourage others to subscribe. Now on to our top news. On Monday, Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi and Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin had a phone call to discuss another stimulus relief package for the American people. The call comes after House Democrats passed a $2.2 trillion package earlier this month. A number Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell says Senate GOP members will not support. White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows said on Fox Monday, We remain committed to negotiating and also committed to making sure that we get a deal as quickly as possible. If Nancy Pelosi will be reasonable, she'll find the President of the United States to be reasonable and we'll get something across the finish line. President Trump has said that he does support a large stimulus package. The president said on the Rush Limbaugh radio show earlier this month that he would like to see a bigger stimulus package, frankly, than either the Democrats or the Republicans are offering. McConnell planned to call a vote on the Senate floor early this week on a bill that would use money left over from the first $2 trillion stimulus package to relaunch the Paycheck Protection Program. It remains to be seen if Congress will be able to agree on a stimulus package before November 3rd. The Supreme Court said Monday it will hear a case on whether funding for the military can be used to pay for President Trump's border wall with Mexico, and if persons claiming asylum in the U.S. must stay in Mexico until their cases are worked through. President Trump's administration has asked the high court to look at both these cases in the past due to rulings from lower courts, and the administration has been allowed to continue on, the Washington Post reported. The Canadian border will remain closed to Americans for at least another month. Bill Blair, Canada's public safety minister, said in a tweet Monday, We are extending non-essential travel restrictions with the United States until November 21, 2020. Our decision will continue to be based on the best public health advice available to keep Canadians safe. The travel restriction does not apply to medical personnel crossing the border to help treat patients amid the pandemic. Monday's announcement marks the seventh time Canada has extended the travel restriction between Canada and the U.S. Now stay tuned for Rob Bluey's conversation with Brett Bozell, founder and president of the Media Research Center about media censorship and social media platforms. America is at a crossroads. Each day we see the penalties of progressive policies across our nation, while night after night our city streets are set ablaze by riots and rage. That's why the Heritage Foundation has developed a plan to help take our country back. The Citizen's Guide to Fight for America provides a series of Heritage-recommended action items delivered to you each week. 
make an impact in your community and in our country. Sign up for the Citizen's Guide at heritage.org 2020 and join in the fight for America today. We are joined on the Daily Signal podcast today by Brent Bozell. He's the founder and president of the Media Research Center, which is the largest media watchdog in America. He's also my former boss when I was a reporter at cnsnews.com. Brent, thanks so much for joining us today. Rob, how are you? Doing well. Well, your organization has been very busy of late. It seems like there's not a day that goes by where there isn't something uh, to expose or cover. And you've been doing it now for over 33 years. But lately, it seems that your attention has turned to what's going on with big tech and platforms like Facebook and Twitter and Google are increasingly shaping how Americans get their news. So I want to start with this. Last week, we saw two of those, Facebook and Twitter, impose some restrictions or outright censorship on a New York Post story regarding Hunter Biden. Can you tell us your reaction to what happened and why the American people should be troubled about it? Sure. Um, let's look at the numbers first. Uh, Facebook has an audience of 2.7 billion people worldwide. Um, Twitter is the news source uh, worldwide for everyone today. If you want to get your story out, you could go to NBC News and they have 4 million, or you could go to Facebook. Um, uh, remember this statistic that they asked uh, young people, where they get their news? They didn't, they didn't say ABC News. They didn't say the New York Times. 68% said Facebook. That's how powerful these tech companies are today, much more power, powerful than the traditional news media. So out comes this story. It is explosive. This is a story that ought to be covered or would be covered day and night if this were Donald Trump Jr. and Donald Trump Sr. If Donald Trump Sr. were the big guy and Donald Trump Jr. where I was having these crazy parties and going to these countries and walking away with these massive uh, deals, every network would be camped outside the White House right now um, covering this. And yet it's cricket. So along comes Facebook. Facebook, for example, Facebook first censors this. Here's the remarkable thing. Facebook has a policy, a very public policy, where it does not censor anything like this. They have a fact-checking operation that they turn this over to, and they have nine fact-checkers. None of them were consulted on this. Facebook did this, broke their own rules, so much so that the Pointer Institute, which is one of these uh, organizations that does do the fact-checking, blasted Facebook, blasted them for breaking their own rules. So this was really disingenuous. This shows the extent to which Facebook does not want that story out. They didn't wait for fact-checkers. There's nothing wrong with the story. They just said, we're not going to run it. And that's that. Well, Brett, you recently launched Free Speech America and a corresponding website called censortrack.org. Can you tell us more about what you're doing and how it impacts uh, the work that you just spoke about? Sure. I mean, as, as the numbers that I showed, as I was saying a, a minute ago, these, you know, these, 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 uh, this big tech um, empire needs to be uh, brought into, into, into uh, its proper perspective. It needs to be stopped. Um, I gave you the, the numbers for Facebook and Twitter. Look at YouTube. There are 5 billion, that's, that's a B, 5 billion videos that are aired every day on YouTube. Google controls 92% of search engines in the world today. So what does that mean? Well, if you're Dennis Prager and you've got this incredible 
um, operation where you've got these videos that are just top shelf. They could be run at SMU or Yale or you know, some such place. They're that good quality and they're demonetized by YouTube. You know, they, and they come up with the most incredible excuses for it. He does, a, he does one on the Ten Commandments and they say it's too violent because of the Fifth Commandment and they take it down, they demonetize it. Um, Google, Google has been bearing conservatives um, Dr. Robert Epstein did a study, he's a liberal Democrat, did a study showing how by, me, by manipulation of, of the data, Google moved up to 3 million votes from Trump to Clinton in the last election cycle. And how, and he's shown that in this election cycle, that Google is going to be able to move up to 15 million votes from the Trump camp to the Biden camp through data manipulation. This is serious stuff. This is far more serious than anything we've ever seen before. This shows that these tech companies have the power to decide who will and who won't be the president of the United States. And if that doesn't scare people, nothing will. That's why we started Free Speech America. Well, and, and the website, censortrack.org, uh, censortrack.org, is an excellent resource. Uh, I have been talking about for years the need for a comprehensive database with examples, specific examples of anti-conservative bias. Uh, we've actually shared with your team examples from both the Heritage Foundation and the Daily Signal of what we've encountered that. Um, so as you've looked at these examples, do you have uh, for our audience what the worst platform is and if there's a particular type of content that they tend to target most? Well, you know, I, I tell, first, first of all, thank you for what you said about Sensor Track. We, uh, uh, we have so far documented and we analyze all the, all the examples that come to us because sometimes, you know, Rob, they're not right. Sometimes somebody is, is uh, crying censorship when in fact that person didn't have good content or that person didn't know how to do it correctly. And so we do go out of our way to, to investigate these. And we've come up with over a hundred examples of deliberate in, uh, uh, a bias against, um, against conservatives. Uh, I'll show you one, it just came out today. We just posted it today. Uh, Facebook and Twitter, but 99% of this is Twitter, since the start of the campaign have banned Trump material 65 times. Guess how many times they've banned Biden material? Probably significantly less than that. Not once. Not, Not once. Not once. 65 to zero. Uh, tell me that there's no bias there. Tell me that there's no agenda when it's 65 to nothing. We documented it there. So uh, what are some of the worst examples? Um, thematically, uh, I, our message to the pro-life movement is that you're, you're enemy number one. The public enemy number one. Um, the, the media, the, the tech companies despise the pro-life movement. They want nothing to do with the pro-life movement. Imagine this, the pro-life movement wasn't able to put ads on Facebook advertising the Right to Life March. Weren't allowed to do even that. Senator Marsha Blackburn had ads that were supporting the, the Right to Life movement removed from Facebook. It's happened uh, um, uh, uh, live action has had its, its, its stuff suspended. Um, and then finally, there's the Covington kid. Um, look what happened to him. You know, uh, they better, Facebook, uh, if they believed in God, what they was, should be doing is getting on their knees and thanking them for Section 230 protection from libel and slander. Because if you think that the Covington kid had a case against the Washington Post where you know, reportedly he got a very nice settlement, 
um, and is going after everyone else that slandered him. Imagine, imagine what would be the trouble Facebook and Twitter and all the rest would be in if they didn't have that protection and they were held to the same standards as everyone else. My God, that, that kid would be very, very wealthy today. Brett, it's it, it sometimes uh, you do hear charges from the left that, oh, no, this is, uh, this is something that we encounter as well. I think that's why it's so important to have those specific examples. I was going to, to re reminisce for a moment. You and I in 2016 had the opportunity to meet with Mark Zuckerberg at Facebook headquarters in California. I think both of us left that meeting at least encouraged uh, that he was listening or open to, to listening to our ideas and making some changes. And yet here we are four years later, and it seems that things are even worse than they were then. Yeah. Uh, where do you think things have gone wrong? And is there an opportunity to change the culture at these companies, uh, which seem to be dominated by those on the left? Uh, you know, I believed Mark Zuckerberg, as I think you did. Um, I think uh, that he, I mean, look, the very first thing he said to us was, was, we don't know who you are. The second thing he said was, remember, you're sitting at ground zero of leftism in America. Uh, those were two huge opening acknowledgments that he made. He didn't play any games as to where philosophically everyone stood on both sides of the table and proceeded to talk about his desire for Facebook to be the open marketplace of ideas. Um, and, and the discussion we were having at that time was what kind of oversight and fact-checking ought to be uh, advanced and I, I, I pushed afterwards the idea that there should be none. If you wanted to be the open marketplace of ideas, you know, what you do is, is you do censor uh, egregious criminal activity. You do censor pedophilia. You do censor terrorism. There are things, clear-cut clear things that you censor, but that's it. Stay out of the business of deciding what is morally true or not beyond that. What is or what isn't hate speech who is and isn't uh, uh, allowed to be on the, just be the open marketplace of ideas, as he said he was going to do. And he did. They got rid of all of these people and they announced that. But, you know, it's, it's like, I guess like hemorrhoids, they keep coming back and, and <laughs> you can't get rid of them. Um, that's the culture of, of, uh, of these the tech companies. Dominated, you know, probably 99% by leftists working in there. And here's another thing, uh, Rob. So many of these are basically young brats. Uh, you know, they, these are 20-something millennials that understand they've got a huge amount of power. They don't care what the corporation does or doesn't do. They don't care the damage that they're causing. They're the ones that are shadow banning on Twitter. They could care less what, what that might do to Jack Dorsey um, and the stock of Twitter. They just know that they have the ability to screw conservatives. Uh, so there's an arrogance coming out of there. Um, they, these, these are, there's an elitism that is coming out of there. Um, and I don't know. I, I really don't know that you can change that because if you're one conservative and speaks out, you're fired the next day. It, yeah, it's, it's certainly troubling. Uh, you've mentioned fact-checking a couple of times now, and Facebook seems to have weaponized fact-checking in a way that unfairly targets conservatives. Uh, what do, if you are a conservative publisher today, what are the things that you need, or frankly, a conservative organization, because I know it, they went after the American Principles Project for an ad that they were running in Michigan, using a fact-check as, as the reason to take it down. So what are some of the things that we as conservatives need to be aware of when it comes to these fact-checks? 
understand. Well, understand how how it's how it's evolving. You know, it's, it's kind of like, like so many government issues. You know, where where the more government tries to 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 fix something, the, the worse it gets. You know, think about campaign finance reform. It was the same thing that has taken place with Facebook. The more they try to fine tune fact checking, the worse it's becoming. Um, they 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 agreed to have fact checking. Okay, they brought in nine organizations. Wonderful. One's a conservative. Eight are liberals, and that to them is balance. So conservatives complained about that and raised hell about that. So solution, they've come up now with an oversight board. This is an, because look, remember this, Bob, Rob, they're not an American corporation. Oh, they, they, may, may, they, they may be incorporated in Delaware or somewhere, but that's not what they think they are. They consider themselves a global community. They use that term all the time. What, why is that important? Because their values are not American values. Their values are more the European model that puts virtue over freedom, where we put freedom over virtue. Problem with their virtue over freedom, which I might agree with, except their virtue is very different than my virtue. Their virtue is gay rights. Their virtue is abortion. Their virtue is no guns. Their virtue is no freedom of speech. They don't subscribe to the American model, which is based on the Constitution, which says you have a First Amendment, you have a Second Amendment, et cetera, et cetera. They don't subscribe to that. That's why their attitudes are different. So they bring in this oversight board. They've announced 20, the first 20 of the 40 members. Now, this oversight board, according to Facebook, has the last say. So if you appeal a fact checker, it goes to the oversight board. Rob, if you look at this oversight board, you will see the real ethos of Facebook. Of the 20, 19 are left wing, 19 out of 20. There's only one who could be seen as a conservative and he's just a straight shooter. And he's, in, he's, he's one of the Americans. There are five Americans. If you, if the Daily Signal is censored by, by the, one of the, the um, fact checkers uh, and appeals, it now goes to the oversight board. Here's one of the rubs. Five anonymous oversight members will look at the Daily Signal case. Only one of them can be an, uh, um, an American. So four out of five are people who don't subscribe to the values of the Daily Signal of America. So you've got an 80% chance of having your appeal squashed. Before you even start, it's an 80% chance. Further to this, if you look, and we have, if you look at these oversight people, one after another has ties to George Soros. Just extraordinary. The operation that is running this thing is headed by a fellow who was funded by George Soros in the last operation. So George Soros has his, has his hands all over this oversight business. So, so the, the answer in one sentence to you is conservatives have to understand that uh, the, the whole uh, deck of cards uh, is stacked against them. Well, and so conservatives are also having a robust policy debate about certain remedies that they may be able to enact. Uh, President Trump, for instance, has called for the repeal of Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act. I know that others fear that a future Democratic president uh, may use that against conservatives in a certain way. So how do you balance some of the free market pressure uh, with, with government action? What, 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 is, what are some of the thoughts that you have on that right now? 
Okay, look at let's look at section two thirty. Um, I, I simply don't understand though anybody who says that the, that section two thirty doing something about it somehow um, gives gives government more power. In fact, it takes away power from the federal government. This is something conservatives ought to embrace. Question is, how do you do it, and what do you do exactly? Um, there there are several bills that now are coming forward, uh, which are all good. Uh, they, they may be need debating around the edges, uh, but that but you know, they're 95% good, not 100% good. Senator Marshall Blackburn uh, has come up with one with uh, Senator Roger Wicker of Mississippi. This, their bill, I, I like so much because it, with, it doesn't take away Section 230 protection. It gives the Section 230 protection, which again makes them immune to libel issues, provided they behave. And the providing their behavior, the bill outlines specifically what they're allowed to censor. And anything else, if it doesn't, and it's reasonable, if it isn't reasonably objective, if they can't prove it's quote unquote reasonably objective, then they lose their Section 230 protection. Just as simple as that. You can do those things, terrorism, egregious violence, pedophilia, but nothing more. And anything else you do, you don't have protection for it. And so if you do something that's libelous, you're gonna be held to account. I like that. That's a very, very clean thing because it allows them to do what they ought to be doing and getting protection for it and penalize if they don't do what they're supposed to be doing. I think it's a very simple solution. I think people really ought to get behind that. Now, the second one is and is an antitrust one. Now, that's dicey because there's a, there's a, a conservative debate on that, on, on, on antitrust leg, uh, legislation, um, uh, you know, there's a difference of opinion. Some people believe that's, that's interference by government. Um, other people believe that that is how you, how you defend the free market, uh, the free enterprise system. So there's a debate among conservatives. But clearly, clearly, there is a very much a move to break these companies up with the argument that you can't compete. If Facebook wants something, Facebook gets something. If, if Google wants something, they swallow something. To show you how powerful Google is, um, Microsoft tried to challenge Google. They spent gazillions of millions or billions of dollars on, on their um, on being, and they captured 2% of the market. Uh, not even they were able to do it. And it's not just those big four, it's all the other ones. Instagram has got a, a billion followers on it. It's the service industries. It's Microsoft isn't getting involved. Amazon is getting involved. Apple is getting involved with different uh, acts of censorship. So you wanna compete with Apple? Good luck, fella, when they've got a trillion dollars in cash. So there really is a conversation that's taking place and saying, you know, are these giants, these are the biggest corporations in history, in the world, are they a fourth estate in American politics today? I think they are. And Brent, I want to end with this one because it goes to, right to the heart of what you just said. I hear from social media users all the time about censorship. Uh, they're writing to me, telling me they've been banned, their reach is limited, or in some cases, they're just they've just given up because they are are fed up with uh, with how they're treated by by Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Google. You go down the list. What is your advice to them? What can they do? Well, I, I will tell them first. It's it's, it's worse than they think because they're talking about instances of censorship they've caught. For everyone that's been caught, how many have not been caught? God only knows. Is shadow banning continuing? How do we know it's not continuing? 
Think about this one, Rob. Can you name me a single act of censorship that was disclosed by the company committing the censorship? When they're caught, and they're always caught, they always have, well, it was a technical snafu. But they themselves supposedly have never caught their own technical snafus. It's always someone who was censored who caught it. So just you know, think about that one for a second, and you'll know how deliberate this thing is. Well, people have to realize how important this is. People need to understand that it should be the number one priority of anyone who supports liberty. You can't have democracy if you have this. If you have an uneducated public, if you've got a public public that's been manipulated to think in a way down, this is big brother stuff. I mean, this is dangerous, dangerous stuff going on. People have to become very outspoken. They need to go to their legislators. They need to go to them and say, there has to be a remedy. Um, and I do believe that this is one of the few times, look, I'm a libertarian conservative. I hate the federal government. I hate turning to them for anything. You know, 3050 national defense. <laughs> I don't want them for anything. But this is one of the few times where the federal government has to look at this and understand that this is a threat to freedom. So what I tell the, our supporters, tell people all over the country, get involved in this. This is the biggest internal threat to freedom in the history of the republic. Brent Bazell, thanks for your leadership of the Media Research Center. The new initiative is called Free Speech America, and the website is censortrack.org. Uh, thank you for joining the Daily Signal podcast. Thank you so much, Rob. Thank you for everything you do. Ayers, that'll do it for today's episode. Thanks for listening to the Daily Signal podcast. You can find the Daily Signal podcast on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Please be sure to leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and encourage others to subscribe. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back with you all tomorrow. The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is executive produced by Kate Trinko and Rachel Del Judas. Sound designed by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. For more information, visit DailySignal.com.